0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hi everybody. Welcome to the Swarmcast post-game podcast. David Eichel along with Sean Bach. Uh, Iowa coming away with a pretty easy 30-0 victory uh, over Rutgers, and Iowa moves to 1-0 uh, in Big Ten play. So, uh, Sean, first of all, I guess let's just start from the top. Uh, what, what were your kind of biggest I don't know, takeaways from today? I mean, I thought
2: right off the bat, I was first possession on offense. Kind of started out slow a little bit. I mean, I think they had some decent gains on the runs, but with runs, but that pass downfield to Nate Stan or to Mir Smith Marset from Nate Stanley. At that point, you were kind of like, all right, maybe this game is gonna be not. Maybe it's gonna click. Yeah, yeah, and things are gonna start coming together. And I think we really saw that. I think it was a big confidence booster heading into Iowa State. I mean, you look at Rutgers and we kinda assume that Isaiah Pacheco and Raheem Blackshear were gonna be difference makers and keep Rutgers and I wouldn't say close, but maybe keep them somewhat competitive at least. But that wasn't the case. And Iowa's defense stifled him. AJ Epinesa was everything as advertised. I mean he only he had one sack, but he had he could have had three or four more. Easily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he that the defense was phenomenal as well, putting pressure. It's insane what happens when you put pressure on the quarterback, because that forces them to make mistakes. Um, you take their best playmakers out of the game, that'll force them to make mistakes, and you just put pressure on them, and then they'll they'll fold. And we saw that you can afford to do that against a team like Rutgers, because you look at their quarterback situation, not very strong. McClain Carter was downright terrible today. Yeah, no, it was um, bad, tough scene. Arthur Sitkowski wasn't great either. I think they, well, it was 41 total passing yards between the two.
1: Yeah, I think McClain Carter had 22 and Sikowski had 19. I mean, Sikowski threw a nation-leading 18 interceptions last year. I yeah. mean, he had only four touchdowns. I mean, they, they didn't have the offense. And, I mean, just for context, too, like, they lost. I mean, they, they beat UMass last week, 48-21, I believe, the final score was. UMass lost uh FCS – Eastern Illinois, I think today, uh forty-five to twenty. And Eastern Illinois is not that good of an FCS team either, so I think that just kind of shows, like, put into context what no, Iowa was, was actually southern, going southern against. Southern Illinois, Southern In- Illinois,
2: Indiana beat Eastern Illinois.
1: Indiana's Eastern Illinois, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I knew. It was some some directional Illinois, uh but no, I mean, it, it's for kind of context. I mean, it's hard to not. I think draw to make conclusions just after a couple of games. That's why we kind of try to show restraint. But I think for the most part, there really isn't too much to be down about after today's game. The only, the biggest concern I have, which we'll, we'll talk more in depth a little bit going forward, Sean, is that secondary injury front is really starting to just pile up. Riley Moss is still going to be out for another month. At least we don't know what Julius Brents is going to be like out. Uh, the did you, I, I did not see Cole Bandwork. I don't think he rotated in. Did you see him at all? No, I didn't see him. I think I think they were content
2: with the offensive line group that they had for most of the game. I think they were kinda like, oh, I mean, shooter's done a fine job at guard. Might as well just keep him in. And that's yeah. what they did. I don't think I didn't think they
1: wanted to rush him, and that's kind of the smart thing to do. Especially since he'll probably be a key contributor going forward and if the offensive line can do its job without him, I mean get the younger guys more experience anyway. Uh but no, like you said, I, I think what was huge today about Iowa is, and I, I, mean, I wrote my post-game column on hawkeyeinsider.com, 24-7 sports, was Nate Stanley just seems as confident as he's ever been. He just seems very within himself. Is he, he, I asked him post-game uh, what the biggest difference is because keep in mind, Sean, he only had a little over 200 yards last year through the first two games and one touchdown. He's already got six touchdowns through two games this year. And he said, I was trying too hard to make plays last year. This year I feel like I'm playing within myself. I'm playing my role. But I also think that's something to do with Iowa's got wide receivers now. Yeah. And I, I think I'm not ready to say it's legit legit yet because I want to see them go up against better competition. But Rutgers passing defense has been relatively solid over the past, you know, year and hanging into even into today's game. Um, but that, that deep ball, I think the Amir Smith Marset was a really good sign because we hadn't seen Stanley hit one of those in a while. Uh, and the other thing was the way he kind of – he was very resilient today because he, he missed Brandon Smith on a surefire touchdown uh, in that second quarter. Two plays later, he threw that beautiful pass to Tyrone Tracy, which got Tyrone Tracy his first touchdown. Mm-hmm. So I think the confidence the co- and the comfort that he has now, and, I mean, it helps when you have an offensive line and you got some you know playmakers on the outside. But I, I do like what I've seen out of Stanley through two games.
2: Yeah, and it's only going to get better too, in my opinion, even though with the increased competition – you got a guy like Oliver Martin, dynamic playmaker at wide receiver, who is still getting kind of used to things, and we've seen him not play as much, which I mean makes sense because he's still getting used to everything. Joined the team late, wasn't here for spring ball, um, and is still getting acquainted. And when you add a guy like him to the fold, you got five legitimate receivers who can put up big plays, and we saw it with Tyrone Tracy today. Um, he had three catches. He did have that long one as well, where he got the big gain. I'm not sure what quarter that was in or anything. I don't remember the exact play in my head, but he's a guy that we've seen now is can make a big play and do something with the football. We've all we've heard about it for the past in the summer and when he was recruited and stuff. Um but now we've actually seen it. And that's a whole nother that's a confidence builder for not only Stanley but for tyrone too knowing that he can make plays as good as some of these other guys
1: it's interesting too because i, I we talk about just the pure receiving skill that that receivers have but what i was doing differently which i like they're getting the ball the playmakers and they're giving it to him in open space like we saw what tyrone did today where he was like pinballing off three people and he mm-hmm. put I mean he got another few yards off it the cutback and everything but <clears throat> excuse me but no i mean i I do love what I'm seeing all the wide receivers it, it's crazy to me so I was looking through the uh the postgame stats and i i did tweet this out Iowa tight ends didn't have a single reception and i that's something that <laughs> during the game i something i yeah. you know I think about saying that a year ago i mean that it's it's unfathomable you would have thought Iowa lost by three scores or more if they ain't get the tight ends involved but Eight different receivers. Tyler Goodson had a reception. Ivory Kelly Martin had a very – I mean, Kirk Ferentz said it too. It was a very, uh, spark play for the offense, which also led – that was the play before the Tyrone Tracy uh, catch for the touchdown. Uh, Brian Smith, Emir Smith-Marset, finally, you know, I think showing some major strides as a receiver. Three three touchdowns are already through two games. Uh, Nico Regani, I believe, had one catch today. Also drew a P.I. So he had three catches. he had three I mean he, he was involved too, so I was just getting weapons, and the fact is if if all these guys are getting receptions, Stanley's not locking on at targets as much anymore because he has confidence in you know more than one, one or two guys, which is it, it's kind of hard to blame him heading into this season without having confidence besides maybe Hawkins and Fant and, and Smith. but there's there's a lot of chemistry I think going on right now with the Iowa receivers, yeah.
2: And we even saw it, too. I mean, Ivory Kelly Martin had a nice gain on that split screen that almost got them a touchdown. They so you need got, that, too. Yeah, you got options. And Tyler Goodson, as well, even though he only had two catches and had a negative gain on one of them, he's still a guy that can make a play for you in the open field, whether it be on a screen play or just a simple.
1: So, breaking news, according to the Des Moines Register, game day to Ames is official. Oh, wow. Uh, so <laughs> buckle in folks. It's going to be a, uh, insane atmosphere in Ames, Iowa. Who would have thought that a cyhawk series got uh college game day, but, uh, that's news. Um, but yeah, that's going to be fun. I know Sean, Sean, unfortunately you're not going to be joining me in Ames, Iowa, but, uh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll see not- with that. Anyway, to go back to the game, that's just something I wanted to quickly touch on. Uh, you know, I like to see Sean today was the, uh, the running game uh, really started off slow, and this is something I thought Iowa would just torch Rutgers on the ground because they've struggled to cover. But I think to the first quarter and a half, Iowa was averaging about two yards two yards a rush. But well, then Makai Sargent started getting going. Torn Young had a nice day as well. Tyler Goodson had, I think, Tyler Goodson's 19-yard runs the longest of the season so far, I, unless Makai Sargent beat that at some point. But I think Goodson kind of led the way there. And that's starting to make me think that, sin might not be redshirting this year. Because no. he, he's in, and it's not a blowout. Like, they're throwing him in situations where Iowa needs a score. Yeah.
2: And I think that, too, is a trust thing because they're like, you know what, we want to get you carries right away. Or it could be a thing where it's like, we want to see what you can do before conference play to really decide if we want you to play at that next level or if we want you to play next year or if we want you to play this year in case something happens to know that you're ready so yeah I mean I think right now you look at the running back situations yeah okay we got guys like Makai Sargent and Torrin Young who can deliver but Goodson is a guy that kind of makes a change kind of has a change of pace in a way where he can make something happen with his feet and his elusiveness kind of like an Akron Wadley type and you don't you don't have that in Young and Sargent. I mean, Sargent, maybe you get a little more of it, but I think with Goodson, he brings a totally different dynamic to the fold, and that's something you could use in Big Ten playing for the rest of the season, but it's something that maybe we don't know how much of an impact it could really make, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think you said while well. I know mean, I've always said this. I hate comparing him to Akron Wadley, but on that 19-yard run, He looked like (laughs) a little bit fast. I mean, he nearly broke it, too. He made a couple guys miss. Um, But, I mean, I love what Goodson brings to the table. He's shown the the ability to catch in space, which is good. Uh, Nate Stanley, like I said, looking confident. I believe he's now 37 of 59 through the first two games of the year, six touchdowns. All the wide receivers, by the way. Uh, Iowa only had 10 wide receiver touchdowns last year total. They got six RA this year with Emir Smith-Marset with three of them. That's that's just bizarre to me. I mean, we touched on the run game. The O-line, by the way, fantastic. And Tyler Linderbaum, a couple little mishaps here and there. Uh, Nothing too major. He got blown up on one play, and I think there was a botched snap, but Stanley, being experienced, recovered on it. Mm -hmm. On a fourth and one, I believe it was. But Linderbaum's downfield blocking and hustle is incredible. I mean, for a redshirt freshman to do what he does – I mean, Iowa, I think, got a hidden gem in that. uh, Tim Palasek or Brian Ferentz, Kirk, or whoever made the call to flip him to center deserves a lot of props on that because they have some stability there. Uh, Let's flip over the defense, uh, which is something that I really wanted to see because, look, nobody expected Rutgers to blow the doors off offensively or provide really that big of a scare, but they do have playmakers in space. Pacheco showed last week. That he might be a guy that really comes along. Blackshear's been proven. A uh, couple receivers and McLean Carter. Even look, I mean, he we, we talked about. He only went five of fifteen for twenty two yards, but threw for three hundred forty last week. He puts him, He throws the ball downfield. Defense did all you could have ever wanted to and more. I think. Yeah. I mean, like you said, AJ Epenesa was unbelievable. I mean, four quarterback hurries in the first, the first, uh, the first half. Had a sack where he almost jumped over McLean Carter because he, du- uh, he ducked. And, uh, and Epines has still got the sack. Davion Nixon looks like he's coming along really strong as well. Uh, secondary, despite being beat up, uh, Kayvon Merriweather was hurt, sprained foot yesterday. Uh, no real timetable on him. But from everything I'm hearing, there won't be any surgery required. Which is positive. It's huge. Uh Jack Kerner did a nice job. Did what was expected. Nothing too flashy. Broke up a pass, which was good. Uh, Michael Ojemudia played a really solid game, I thought, though. He had the interception, yeah. really covered strong, but... Had a couple of nice pass deflections. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he he had a great game. Jimon Colbert, though, really is coming along as a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. I was questioning how big of a... You know, he's one of the key guys, I feel like, that we need to see step up. He had the interception after Nate... Nate I mean, uh, Epinesa hit McLean Carter's arm and Jimon caught it. Jimon has become much more able to tackle in space but I mean that Iowa defense was about as strong of a response as you could have wanted to I think.
2: And everyone delivered. I mean because you got guys who were communicating and that's been a big thing. Jimon Colbert said after the game that communication has been what this team needs in order to take that next step and which was the big struggle in week one, and that's what he, he said that they did it this week, and that's but that was the big difference between them, giving up maybe a few big plays here and there, and then I think they gave up one,
1: to, one twenty yard or more play. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't more than one. I think it was one though. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was no nineteen. It was Art Sikowski's like one of his first plays back. They, they, uh, they gave up. A, it, I mean, it might might have been only a fifteen yarder. Something on those lines, yeah, yeah. But, no, like you said, it, it's kind of crazy to think about, too, Sean, because Jack Kertner had to take over. I mean, a guy that hadn't pl- had much action, and free safety is a guy that calls some of the shots on the back end, and he came out and he delivered. Um, but, yeah, no, a very strong outing by the defensive, just defensive staff. I think Phil Parker took last week personally by how many 20-plus yard receptions they gave up because you know he was going to be – on, on some people's backs this week, uh, but they responded. Michael Ojamudia, I mean, is really looking like a fifth year senior. Um, Matt, by the way, for people, I, we were asked about Matt Hankins. Matt Hankins did come back in the game after he left for a short time. So Matt Hankins, I believe, is going to be, he'll be fine. Which is huge, because if you consider his injury and Geno Stone's injury, their top five of their six defensive backs are out. Which Geno Stone said he'll be
2: fine. He'll be fine, too. He didn't seem too worried after the game. Kirk Ferentz kind of seemed optimistic about things. Um, So as far as we know, Hawkeye fans are kind of breathing a a sigh of relief with that injury, because with Kayvon going out, we're not sure what the status is there. Could be out a week. Could be out multiple weeks. Uh, we don't
1: know. Yeah, it's a foot sprain, but I would say don't hit the panic button yet. Um, and the the thing is, too, Kirk said in his post game press conference that he was walking around fine, good spirits, uh, didn't need help. So they're they're optimistic about Gino, and they they need to be. Uh, so. I mean, like, like, like I said, if if he and Kavon go out, that's just it's a bad look. And if I was Iowa State, I'd go deep every single play because you got to challenge the safeties to make a play. Uh, but no, I mean, oh, something do, we need to mention too, Sean, might be the best punning game in the history of football, any level, between Michael Sleep Dalton and Rutgers punter. And I gotta say, if I had a Heisman ballot, I'd put Rutgers punter as number one, and I don't think it'd be a close second. That was unbelievable what he did today. That was honestly one of the most like exciting parts of the game, too. It really was. I
2: mean, granted, other than seeing the Iowa offense in the passing game, especially the deep the deep routes um, get going, I think that was probably up there. Just because, yeah, I mean, you look at punting and you see, like, just how much pressure some of these guys are under. I mean, I know punting at other schools is kind of underrated, while at Iowa it's, like, a big beloved. thing. Cause, yeah, beloved, honestly. <laughs> And just being able to flip the field, too, because we saw with Iowa that the field position they were getting was not ideal. And in the, some of those drives, too, I almost feel like Muxley Dalton kind of elevated the energy in a sense because he was able to flip the field and put the Rutgers offense in a trickier spot than maybe like some of Iowa's pass punters in recent years would have. And that makes a big difference, too, just yeah. the field position in general.
1: Yeah, I mean it's nice to see Sleep Dalton come back strong, too, because keep in mind, he only had one punt against Miami, Ohio, and it went like 31 yards. But Michael Sleep Dalton was, I mean, booting it uh, all the way down the field. Like you said, flip the field. What was crazy about Iowa starting, which uh, just their average start, was I think I counted six drives. They started within their own 11-yard line. They had two drives start at their own one, and they had four drives start within their own five. And that's unheard of. It's, that's just crazy to me. So Michael Sleep Dalton and Keith Duncan came out three for three on field yep. goals. I mean, granted, one of them was that that probably should have been seven. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But, I mean, Iowa's kicking game was good. And that was nice to see going forward that there's some optimism there. Um, Michael Sleep Dalton flipping the field. Nate Stanley being smart. Because keep in mind, you can't only judge Stanley by his completion percentage. I mean, a lot of his incompletions today, they were, if you're going to have incompletions, they're good incompletions. He got rid of the ball, and he was under pressure. He overthrew Brandon Smith, but, I mean, you'd, I've always said you'd rather overthrow than underthrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of them were just drops. Like, there was one ball that was to Tyrone Tracy in that first quarter when they were pinned up in their own five. And Tracy tipped it up, and, I mean, everyone in the press box kind of held their breath because we thought that was about to be a pick six. But he recovered. But, I, I mean, I, I thought Stanley's played. I just don't know what more you could ask of Stanley, I think, for the first two games. He's, t- he's taken care of the ball. Um, had one bad intentional grounding last game. But, I mean, he, he's playing like a senior quarterback. And he did move past Ricky Stanzi for third most touchdowns in Iowa history, which is kind of bittersweet, I think, for a lot of Iowa fans, considering that the they, they all have a soft spot for a uh, – Mr. America himself, (laughs) Ricky Stanzi. So I I know we got asked a couple questions to address. Uh, I think one of them was on uh, Tyrone Tracy. Uh, Were you impressed by Tyrone Tracy and Davion Nixon
2: today, Sean? I mean, definitely Tracy. I thought this was kind of his coming out party in a sense. Um, Just by the way he was able to get open. Seemed to play a lot. I wouldn't say a lot more, but he seemed to be more into it in a sense. You kind of know it's like, okay, Tracy's on the field or something along those lines, if you know what I mean. Um Yeah, and just seemed to be more kind of in depth and in the in the in the game plan in a sense. Um I really liked what I saw from him. I think he could be kind of a key piece of that offense going forward for sure.
1: Just dynamic. I think mean, he he can make people miss in space. Looks like he has pretty good hands, the route runner. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be an important piece of the receiving game. Davion Nixon, I would like to see him get more run, but I'll tell you what, he's looked good. I mean, he's going to be a guy that I think really pushes for snaps as the season goes along. I think he's too big, he's too powerful, and he's just too explosive coming off the line. And I'll say this, Nixon was a big piece in, uh, allowing Epinesa to be Epinesa because they baited people into uh, taking the double team on Nixon, and Epineso ran around the backside and got through the middle a few times. That also allowed the outside linebacker blitz, like when Neiman lit up uh, Sikowski in that second half. and then that and it was just a great play. So the Iowa defensive line staff and the the game plan deserves, I think, a lot of applause for the way they've adjusted after that first week. But I think Nixon's going to be the guy that pushes for time going forward. Um, another one we have is, uh, is Iowa – the Big Ten West favorite.
2: I think Wisconsin's gonna make a case for that. They've looked good. I mean, granted the competition hasn't been stellar, but I mean Iowa's hasn't either. But you definitely see kind of traces of what they can become. I mean Jonathan Taylor's gonna be a load.
1: It's seven. catching passes now too. Yeah, which he is scary. Another, another receiving touchdown today. Uh Jack Collins looked like he's gonna be a pretty good starter for them he's made a lot of progress since last year um and the reload on defense defense looks fast again granted they haven't played not that you know many either good team but the back-to-back shutouts i mean that's hard to do i think at any level especially in this age of college football and keep in mind i think they were only a 13 point favorite last week when they played uh south florida mm-hmm. so they've and so they've kind of started to really prove themselves. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, like Sean said, it's going to be a load. Uh, but yeah, I'd w- I w- I'd go Wisconsin. I think I think Iowa's closely behind because at this point, I don't know who else is really going to challenge. Uh, Northwestern, I'm interested to see how Hunter Johnson responds after the poor performance his first week. And obviously the guy he was in competition with, that quarterback TJ Green, is out for the year with a foot injury. Isaiah Bowser's dinged up, but I think he's going to be back next week. Uh, Nebraska, I'm interested to see how they respond after losing. Uh, I still think they have a pretty good offense. I'm never, I'm not sold on their defense quite yet, though. I'm not sold on their line play. Yeah. Martinez is going to be a handful, whoever they go against, though. He's a guy who can make things happen.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing in this in the Colorado loss was the offense kind of failed to deliver in a
1: sense. I, I, I hate doing this because especially I don't cover their team but I didn't like the play calling yeah they, they, they like they, they ran twice to Maurice Washington in overtime they didn't like they didn't leave the game in Martinez's hands they they just took it out and that, that deep pass to go for a touchdown to end the game when Colorado picked it off they only need a field goal to win. Mm-hmm. but then, then again we saw what happened why they maybe went for a touchdown because they didn't their starting kicker was dinged up. But yeah, anyway, I'm interested to see how Nebraska responds. I mean, I do think they're gonna be a reason whoever wins the West wins it, because I think they're gonna have some upsets in them. So I'm interested in that aspect. Uh Purdue, not enough defense. No. They just don't. Uh Minnesota, we'll see how they respond tonight. So I I think a very solid second. I think they're I think they're in contention. Finalize that.
2: I agree with you
1: there. Uh, clock management for halftime, not great, not great. Uh, we we did ask Kirk Ferentz after the game. He basically owned up to it and said, "Yeah, we uh, we are afraid to leave Rutgers too much time because I mean Iowa thought they were going to score. Obviously, as we all kind of say on the outside, you probably shouldn't expect to score. You should probably give yourself okay, well." Fifteen seconds left, right? I can throw two passes, and if we need to do a field goal, we can do a field goal. But they didn't do that. So Kirk fans basically owned up to it, and they said they got they got to do better mm-hmm. and clean that up. I don't really know what else <laughs> there really is to say about that. No, not much. So, but yeah, like we said, going in next week, uh, Iowa State. I'm interested to see how Iowa State responds because keep in mind they had a bye week this week, uh, and they had a very rough outing against northern iowa but did win in triple overtime but again i i really liked what i saw of iowa they ran the ball they ended up with 194 yards um the receivers look good i really liked what i saw of them oliver martin brandon smith is a guy who i think they're going to throw a lot more deep passes to. Yeah. And something that i liked to of have the offense today i did want to get to sean is it seems like Nate Stanley and Brian Ferentz are much more comfortable throwing into those one-on-one battles yeah. more than ever.
2: I mean, they didn't – because I think Smith was targeted like seven
1: times and only caught two passes. I think he drew three pass interferences, right? Did he? He drew at least two, and then Smith-Marset drew one. Yeah. And Brian Smith also got into it with one of the, Ru- yeah. <laughs> the I mean, Rutgers some of those, DBs. Some of those
2: I felt were kind of forced in a sense. I mean, we know that Smith can catch those balls – as we saw last year against Minnesota. But some of those were forced in a sense. But I get I get your point.
1: They they just haven't I, done that yeah. forever. And I always got the receivers to do it. And for all I, I will say this too, and it's an interesting observation that that got pointed out to me by a friend post game. That people are complaining about the Oliver Martin usage. I think it was when uh, Tyrone Tracy ended up scoring. They lined up and Oliver was on the outside Nate Stanley checked the safety twice and looked over at Oliver. And they were gonna throw the uh they were gonna throw the fade to Oliver, but uh, they ended up calling it Rutgers called a timeout. They uh they replaced it with Tracy, but I mean it still worked out. So but yeah, no, I, I like what Brian's doing. They're taking more risks, and I think that's gonna increase as the confidence keeps going, and if Nate Stanley can deliver on those deep passes, so overall probably I mean I I'd give the gray an A. I mean, you would like to see maybe another touchdown or two, but if you, mm-hmm. you, it's hard to complain when you win 30-0 and you do what you're supposed to do, holding uh, Rutgers to under 120 total yards. So, good good day for Iowa, I think. But the stakes get even bigger next week when they go to Ames. Yeah, for sure. So, I think that about uh, think that about does it, Sean. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss you next week. I'm gonna have to do a yeah. solo uh, post game podcast. But uh, we'll have you back for um, Middle Tennessee State in two weeks. Yep. No, more than two weeks, three weeks, because they had the they had the bye after Iowa State. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's already
2: somewhat going fast, which is like we're already done with week two pretty much, which yeah. is crazy to think about. But I'll tell you what, though. The uh, the uh, bye week,
1: when you look at the schedule, you're thinking, oh, that's, that's kind of early. That kind of stinks for Iowa. But then you look at the injury front, and you're like, yeah, this might actually be a really good time to take that break because there's just so many guys that are dinged up that they could get back and who knows what they can do. But I, I I think that based on the West and everything, Sean, that if Iowa beats Iowa State, I think the stakes for the season go up a notch because what mm-hmm. Iowa State's supposed to be. So then they go to Middle Tennessee and then they head in the big house where it could be a potential top 15 matchup depending on how much Michigan falls today. Yeah, it's going to be... A lot of a lot of hype around that game, especially now with
2: College Game Day reportedly being in being in Ames. It's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. We'll take a deeper dive into that on Tuesday. On I know Tuesday, yeah. you were planning to have Alex Hall said from our 20, our Iowa State twenty four seven site.
1: Yeah, I think we, it's not finalized yet, but we were talking about doing a uh duo podcast with us and giving a full in depth preview from both sides, having a final prediction, all that good stuff. So. Uh, stay tuned for that. There's going to be a bunch of coverage on HawkeyeInsider.com uh, this week. I mean, there are a lot of big visitors on campus. Um, VIP scoops. Uh, subscribe. Dollar for the first month. Get all the scoop on Iowa recruiting and much more VIP analysis. My report card's coming tomorrow. I'm going to rewatch the game and do some studying tonight. But uh, yeah, good day for Iowa. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday.
0: Okay.